Hello and welcome to another episode of Everything is Canon, the Simulinks podcast. I'm your host, Steve Duncan. However you may have found your way here, thanks so much for tuning in. On this podcast, we invite authors from all genres onto the show to discuss their latest books and novels, as well as just about anything else that comes to mind. If you want to reach me, there are several ways to do so, but the best way is to email me at steve at or you can always find me on Twitter at stevedunk5 or at everythingcanon. Today in the show, I'm talking to Ali Malinenko all about her middle-grade debut, Ghost Girl, which is described as... Perfect for fans of small spaces and nightbooks, this middle grid debut is an empowering and triumphant ghost story with spooky twists sure to give readers a few goosebumps. As you'll see, Ghost Girl is really kind of the perfect marriage between genres, these being middle grade and horror, as these kids, led by a great main character in Z, must save their small town from evil forces. It works just as well as a standalone as it does an origin story for these friends who must conquer many things without relying on the adults in their life. The book leans on some familiar tropes to be sure, but the messaging and character work are on point and the book's pacing is tight, making it a fun and quick read. We talk about surviving cancer, what's great about middle grade, Ghost Girl of course, Mary Shelley, and much much more. While this is a spoiler-free discussion, the odd minor detail may slip out, so if you haven't read the book and don't wish to be spoiled at all, better stop listening now, but definitely double back after you've read it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. As always, around these parts, we encourage supporting authors and stories that affirm the lives of people other than ourselves. Each time we either engage in a conversation, whether it be online or face-to-face, now that we can do that again, or each time we participate in the market with our purchasing choices. As a reminder that next month, September, is National Hispanic Heritage Month in the U.S., so please support the Hispanic communities in any way that you can. Since we talk books here, I'm going to provide a a list of, of some, but not all, Hispanic authors who kick all kinds of ass And this should be done all year long, of course, not just because the calendar tells you to. So look for that link after. Okay. Ali uh, Malinenko, I hope I said that right. I didn't even ask her, uh, is a poet, novelist, and librarian living in Brooklyn, New York, where she pens her tales in a secret writing closet before dawn each day. She has a burning desire to go to Antarctica, specifically to the South Pole, so she can see where Robert Falcon Scott died. I'll ask her why. I don't know very much about him. Um, She likes to read books, write novels and poems and stories. Um... She's a cancer survivor, which is great for a lot of reasons, one of which being she's here today to talk about her new book, her new, her middle grade debut, in fact, Ghost Girl, which is described as perfect for fans of small spaces and night books. This middle grade debut is an empowering and triumphant ghost story with spooky twists, sure to give readers a few goosebumps. Please welcome to the show, Ali Malinenko. Hi, Ali. Hi, thanks for having me. How'd the last name go? All right. You did it. You absolutely did it. Everyone only because only, only it's spelled how it's sound. It's, it, it's, it's totally phonetic. That's what I <laughs> yeah. always tell them. Just say all of the syllables. Like, That's just right. say each, each vowel and each consonant, and you got it. I am classically a name, <laughs> a, a name fucker upper. So that was uh, <laughs> when it's easy like that. I am just super great. I, you, you did it. You have uh, known like, so many times where like, the person will be like, Oh, it's pronounced Malinenko. I'd be like, okay, Malafenko. I'll just like, <laughs> even though I just heard it pronounced the correct way, I immediately say it the wrong way. So I'm the same way. You're fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm terrible. You did it. I'm also just generally terrible with names, period. I'm I'm like with faces, it could be a hundred years from now. I'll be like, there's Allie. But like, if someone says to me, do you know Allie? I'd be like, no. Who's no, like, that? I'm, I'm so bad with names. I don't know what it is with my brain, but anyways um so yeah uh well not not much happened this week just a little debut (laughs) how did how was debut day and how's the week been going for you so far debut day was great um the week was great i did lots of fun events but i am a hardcore introvert Mm. um 
So by the time the weekend ended, I was like, good night. I'll see you in the, when the weekend's over. I've That's had right. quite enough, quite yeah. enough. Um, did you, you probably, did you get any sleep the night before? Probably not. Most don't, but I did actually, yeah. oh, I was nice. pretty, I was surprisingly calm. Okay. I think it's because like, this was a very long path for me. And like, I spent a lot of the year just kind of agonizing over things that I have no control over. Sure. And then recently was like, you know what? Forget it. You're going to be, there's nothing you can do. It's going to happen and it's going to be fine. And so it was good. It was did, actually, it was a really great day. Did you uh, make the critical error of, of sort of peeking at like Goodreads or anything like that ahead of time? Or <laughs> I have been looking at Goodreads almost, I, I don't want to say every day, but I'd be a liar if I didn't say almost every day. Yeah. So like, I mean, I can't stop. The only I reason I, I mentioned, to. yeah. The only reason I mentioned, I'd be, the advice you're supposed to give authors and authors know this themselves is don't read reviews. Don't go to reads if you can help it. But, and the only reason I mentioned it is because close girl got overwhelming praise, mo- mo- way more people liked it than not. So I, I'm just was wondering if that sort of maybe helps put your mind at ease a little bit on the sort of the eve of the release. It did. It yeah, really did. And right. you know, also like this is, this is my traditionally published debut, but like I right. published some poetry books. So right. I've already, I've already taken my one star knocks, mm. yeah, you yeah. know? So yeah. I was a little yeah. bit more seasoned than like a, a lot of other debut authors. So it's like, even if it wasn't a great review, I'm like, okay, it's cool. It's fine. It wasn't for you. That's totally fine. But reading the good ones just made everything feel better. So I kept doing it. <laughs> Of course. And I, you know what, like as much as, you know, I would say don't, I'd be the same way. I probably couldn't help myself either, but uh, I, I, yeah, it would be addictive, especially when you get it, especially when it's doing well. Right. But, and, and, yeah. uh, and I think we'll, we'll be hard pressed to find someone who isn't okay with constructive criticism. We just don't want fucking assholes and yes. you know, the pieces of shits out there that just like to hear their own voice and all this other stuff. So um, construction constructive is great. We love it. We appreciate it. I mean, that's what editing is. Right. <laughs> exactly. That is exactly it. That's right. So, but I mean, but the, I also the, know that Goodreads is like not really for me. It's for readers. So I know that I'm kind of creeping. Yeah. Well, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but it, Goodreads just is just, there's, it, it's terrible software. I mean, there's no, oh, right. There's just no filters. There's no algorithms in play that I can, that I can pick up. There's no. just nothing. My new, my new, uh, my latest group that I hate on Goodreads is the, uh, this isn't normally my thing. I don't like this genre. I'm going to read it anyways, knowing I'm not going to like it and then give it a bad review. That's absolutely, that's the crowd that I'm currently hating on. Like why? Yeah, exactly. Why Why are you wasting my time and yours? You've already decided you're not going to like it. Don't. Right. Right. And it's, you have one life, sir. Just live it and read what you want. (laughs) And the other one I don't like, and I was talking, I was talking to which author might've been Margot Wood. And we were talking about how the crowd that goes on Amazon and says, I love this book but it came damaged one of the five stars. (laughs) So they're literally rating the shipping, not the actual book or the author. And you're like, Amazon, you need to fix that rating system. But, uh, and of course I'm always, I have a long standing hate on for the the DNF crowd. I think if you type those letters into review, it should lock you out, but. Agreed. Also like, why are you reviewing a book you didn't finish? Like, how do you have an opinion? How could you have a perfect, like a fully formed opinion? That's my point. On something you never got to the end of. That's right. That's exactly my point. If you DNF a book, then just move on. And yet people do it all the time. I know. Anyways. The worst. Um, so, all right. Well, I'm glad to hear you slept well. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> you had a nice, uh, a nice release 
day and, and week or sort of so it'll be nice heading into the weekend on a, on a high is always a good thing so absolutely um we were sort of just talking off air about how depressed we both are um, <laughs> <laughs> for lots of reasons really and not not most of it being just it's just just who i am i can't help it but uh um, we worked we were talking about cancer there a second ago and it's it's, it's in your bio and that's so you know like i said i think it's fair game to bring up Sure. And I, and I don't need the specifics. And uh, you are a cancer survivor and fucking right on. Congratulations. Good for you. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, that's so amazing. It's it, to say we all know somebody or have known someone with cancer is the understatement of the century. Like it affects everybody, everybody. Right. Yeah. There's just there's yeah. no avoiding it. So it's quite a thing to go through and it's quite a thing to live through for sure. And my, I, like I said, I was sort of, I'm curious about how, of course it changed the way you, your outlook, it, it, how could it not? And just wondering how maybe let's, let's keep it just, you know, on topic with books and writing and be just being creative. And I'm just sure. wondering if you noticed, like if there was a difference between your creativity pre and post. Yeah. So, um, so I was diagnosed in 2014 um, and I am a, I'm just going to give you a small bit of background just okay. for context. Cause sure. Most people were like, oh my goodness, someone got cancer and then they did chemotherapy and now they're better and that's over. And that's not my scenario. Okay. So I am in continued drug treatment. Um, so I am seven years out, but I still monthly go for treatment. I'm not getting chemotherapy, but I have to have injections done. So for me, there's this whole thing where like when you're done with treatment, you ring the bell and the nurses cry and it's a very touching moment and blah, 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 blah. Like that's not really ever going to happen. Like hmm. I'm just going to maintain this for as long as humanly possible. Right. So that kind of changes the perspective on it because a lot of people, it turns my cancer into more something closer to like a chronic illness, something that is like a constant in my life as opposed to an experience that I had. Right. So with that in mind, um, I would say that everything before 2014 was a life that in 2014, I, I refer to it as the cleaving, as in it was hatcheted apart. And everything after for about three to four years was an existence that was to me cobbled together like some kind of Frankenstein nightmare from the world, I, the life I used to know. And then this now new uncertain life of I have tests done every six months to find out if I'm okay. I have this start and stop kind of existence. So that factored heavily. I mean, I don't feel that way anymore. Enough time has gone by that um, I would say the seams have come back together as much as humanly possible so that my life does feel closer to what it used to be than it did for that middle period. Let me, I'm going to interrupt you just for one yeah. second. What was your prognosis? Like, was this curable oh, was this it was no, very, not curable so, sorry not curable like was this like no it was, was not on death store no okay, it was okay. very treatable and not to like belittle the experience people go through who aren't on death store like no absolutely like, not. i, I absolutely know not. It's, I, was, I have enough experience with it to know that it's, it's sure uh, sure uh, sometimes death can be a relief i'm sorry to say but yeah uh, oh absolutely yeah, absolutely but, uh, okay sorry i just wanted to see where we were with that. no yeah. it was so i was diagnosed stage one uh, okay. it was very treatable everyone had very like high hopes so I did the radiation. I've been doing this, this drug regimen. I had uh, three separate surgeries. 
And then I went off the medication and I was like, okay, I'm like kind of done. I'm just going to take the pills. I don't have to do these injections, these infusion things anymore. That's great. And then I took a test um, about what the next 10 years look like. And that test came back with less than favorable results. Let's just put it that way. Okay. It was also very much affected by the fact that I was 37 when I was diagnosed initially, um, which is, which is young. I mean, it's not young. I mean, it's young. It's young yep. enough. Yep. <laughs> I, I didn't know anyone else who had been diagnosed at that age until I eventually wound up meeting them um, in lovely online forums. So my prognosis is not like, oh, you're you're not doing well, like you're in danger. It's just like we need to keep this treatment going so that it doesn't become an issue. So it's like on the one hand, I'm so thankful because I did not I, I did not get that far gone. But on the other hand, I'm like, this is just not going to end anytime soon. And there is a certain amount of fatigue you get from like monthly trips to the hospital to do this whole thing yeah. each time. And like two full anxious inducing, we call them scanxiety, scan, like doing body scans and the anxiety that comes from that, waiting for things to come back okay. So it's like, it's weird. It's weird because on the one hand, I'm like, I'm doing great, but also like I have to keep doing these things to maintain great. Like I well, can't just walk away from this. Well, it, it, it also, it just, yeah, it doesn't allow you to move on. Yes. Yes. And that is the perfect way of describing it. I, yeah. it, it is stilted. It is, I am stuck in this place, but in that, you know, I have peace with that because I, I have met people who've, who have been through literal hell and back. And mm -hmm. that has not been my scenario. And I am always mindful of that. The forums you were just talking about, was that, how did that come around? Was that recommended to you? Was that something you thought you'd seek out on your own? No, I sought those out on my own simply okay. because while they're, you know, I, I, my parents both had been diagnosed with cancer at certain mm -hmm. points in our lives, but like, I didn't know anyone my age. Um, and so I found just from like Googling this one called young survivors coalition. And it's all like, like people under 50 who have been diagnosed. I mean, there were, there were women on there as young as like 22, right. like it, there were probably younger, you know? So a lot of it had to do with the fact that like, while many people accept that this is, might become a thing in their life one day, nobody expects it now. Right. You know, actually it was under 40. It was under 40 because I was 37 at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great forum though. And if anyone out there needs that, Young Survivors Coalition probably saved my, my, my mental health. <laughs> Young Survivors Coalition? Yeah, that's what okay. they're called. That's what they're called? Okay, perfect. Yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll make sure you just Google it. That. Okay. <laughs> well, that's great. And, I'm, you know, there's probably other ones out there too, I imagine. Sure, And it's sure. probably like, and is that it was that like local to Brooklyn or is that a no, state? No, it's okay. actually like it's it's anywhere because it's okay. just online forums and it goes kind of breaks down by like your diagnosis and and okay. your different types of treatment. It's just a great place to ask questions and also to like be scared and cry and also be annoyed with people when they say dumb things to you about like if you just drank more kale juice, you'd be fine. <laughs> So, you know, it was a good space. Oh, well, you know, there's a WebMD, right? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's all sorts of opinions out there, but it's hard. I mean, it's, it doesn't, no matter what, I've, I have lost my father to cancer and uncle's friends, um, but ha but I've never had it myself. And so mm -hmm. that's like, there's always going to be that difference, right? Like, I'm never going to know exactly what you went through or how you felt. Like, and that can be for anything, whether it's cancer or depression or 
a, some, you know, maybe some type of physical disability or whatever. Because right, everyone's experience is completely that's, unique to themselves. That, that so it's like, true. it is incredibly isolating. Even when you find a community, it can still be really isolating because it's like no one else feels or is experiencing exactly what you're going through. That's right. But I mean, it's the closest thing you can get to sort of this sort of empathy as far as understanding what you're right. going through. It's as close as you're going to get. Right. So right. Um, it, it's a really, it's a great resource. So yeah, definitely, you know, people, if you're looking for that, there's, there's ways, means to, to not feel so alone perhaps because it's like a spouse can say as much as they want, but <laughs> until they're yeah. laying on that bed or whatever, it's, it's kind of tough and they all mean well, we all mean well, but it just doesn't always work out. Yeah. Um, well, very happy that you've, come out on the other side. And so talk about, again, creatively, is there a difference? Like, did you, did you come out on the other side of this, like carpe diem, everybody, <laughs> you know, like, no, no, no okay. I didn't like, at like, all. Like um, a peppy, all of a sudden you weren't peppy before, but now you're super peppy. I was yeah, not was peppy like, yeah. before. Yeah. Now <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite of peppy. And now I'm, that there's anything wrong any. with peppy, I guess, but no, maybe, peppy's fine. If that's maybe we should are. all be more peppy in this day and age, but, but uh, I, well, yeah. the thing is too, like I, I also, and, and I'm going to try to keep this not into a giant tangent. So the whole show is in this conversation, but I have, yep very significant feelings about warrior language and the use of warrior language. And it bothers me because what I went through wasn't a battle. I am not a fighter. It's not a war. This is my body. Like it's my body and I want it to be well and I want it to be okay. And I want it to keep me safe and alive for as long as possible. I'm not in a war against it. And I know a lot of people who feel like they need that language because it helps them fight. I'm not fighting. This isn't a fight. I I am doing what the doctors tell me to do. That's right. I'm following their advice and I'm going to hope for the best. And, and I'm going to get what everybody gets, which is a lifetime. That's what I'm getting. Science people have the, the the people that came before you have fought that battle already. Right. right? Science science has been fighting. Science is the one who are fighting. I'm not fighting. So, you know, okay. I'm on the conveyor belt just doing, Perfect. they're like, well, let's try this. I'm like, let's try this. That works. Yep. Yep. Right so on. I think like in terms of like the way it affected me is that, well, th- th- that was definitely a big factor. So I, I, I really have trouble when people are like, I, I hate obits that are written, like lost their brave battle against. And I'm like, you could just say that they died. Again, we don't want to turn this into a huge thing, but right. uh, who was I talking to recently about just this Western's fascination yeah. with with death our fear of death our fear yes. of dying and it's yes. un, it is it is like it's a billion dollar industry to keep people alive because we're so yeah. fucking afraid of something that most of the world has no problem with and, and embraces and it's actually the next step yes right exactly. it's not it's not an ending it's just the next step you know up the ladder or up the whatever so yeah no you, that just goes to we're just so afraid of it it's insane to me but um uh, i mean as far as like create Activity. Like my second book um, that's out next summer is called Disappearing House and mm-hmm. it's a haunted house story. And it's absolutely a metaphor for trauma and cancer. Okay. Um, so you used it a lot. Yeah. So you used I used it. it. I yep. did. Well, Let's I just, also wrote yep. a book of poems about it while I was just outside of my last surgery and going through radiation. Right. Um, and that was good. That was helpful. But like at the time, I couldn't write a story about it because it was too close. It yeah, felt of course. too raw. It was, I wrote books that had, had nothing to do with anything so that in the morning I could just disappear into this other world and not even think about it. Yeah. Um, and then when I got further removed, I was like, okay, what are we going to do with this trauma? 
And so I wrote this book and I was like, well, that's for the trunk. No one will ever see this. This was just for me. And I gave it to my friend, Amber, um, who you actually, I think you did. Well, I know you did. <laughs> Amber McBride, you did an episode with. Um, I told her this, so it's not a secret. I have a huge what? crush on Amber. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. Sir. I know. And we I told her do. that and I t- because it was funny because, you know, we, we, we did the show and it was, you know, great and everything. And then, it was great. And then it, it wasn't until I was editing it and I was listening to myself and I'm like, oh, yeah, I have a huge crush on her. I can, t- <laughs> I, I, I can tell. So I just sent her this message. I just said, it. I said, Amber, I'll, I'll never bug you again. I promise. I just want to let you know. Uh, I have a huge crush on you. So put that in your pocket. If you're ever feeling down, <laughs> if you're ever feeling down, you just know that somebody out in the world uh, thinks you're great. So uh, it's great. Yeah, yeah. well, more than one, someone. Yes, Amber yes. is amazing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so she, she and I, we were friends and we share an agent and I was like, so I wrote this thing and I don't think it's going to be anything. And do you want to read it? And because Amber's amazing, she was like, send it right now. Mm. And she sent me a notice back immediately. And she was like, you have to send this to our agent. And I was like, no, I think this is just me working through my head. Right. And she's like, no, it's not. Like, I know you want to think that, Allie, but this, this is a story that will speak to kids who, who have gone through trauma. Uh-huh. And so I sent it to my agent. And I was like, nothing's going to come of this. And my agent was like, this is amazing. And then we sent it to my editor, Ghost Girl, and they bought it, you know, and I didn't expect it to be a thing in the world and it's going to be a thing in the world next year. And I feel great and both very anxious about that because it's definitely the rawest thing I've ever written. Like it cues the closest to my life. Okay. Well, so, so yeah, this appearing house it's called, it comes out yeah. next year and based really quickly. It's called, uh, what do we got here? This is navigating the effects of trauma and illness. The novel follows a girl and her best friend who get trapped inside a haunted house. It turns out to be more, uh, turns out to be a lot more than what it seems. Who's uh, publishing that? So that is also Catherine Teagan at HarperCollins. Okay, Collins. okay. Yeah. perfect. All right. And that yeah. is summer next year? You and said? that'll be summer of next year, yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Well, um, I love it when, uh, you know, just knowing that now, what you just explained about it and, like, the roots of it just adds that much more weight to it, obviously. Yeah, so I mean, there's, I, like, I, an I, author note and there's, like, yeah. a dear reader. You know, it, I, I like that. It, it, hits, it. It, hits, it hits harder, right? And, yeah. and, and uh, I just personally like that. And that's why I love, like, I'm a cover-to-cover person. I love author's notes. I love acknowledgments. <laughs> I love letters to the reader. I love, I love because it's context. I love context. And I love process. And that's like getting inside. This is the whole point of this, why you started this po- podcast. Because I love yeah. process. I love getting into the mind of the author and finally go, how are you feeling? What let, you know, what was it? Like, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's just sort of like, that's what I'm fascinated in. Anyone can look up the summary of a book, right? And we can Google the summary of the book because it's out there on the internet. But it's like, okay, well, but tell me, you know, how are you feeling when you wrote it? Or tell right. me, you know, what is or what? So knowing there's weight, that much weight added to it, I think just makes it more effective. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm excited. This appearing house, I can't wait. Um, and then you get to come back on the show. See, it's perfect. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. Um, so let's, I was talking to an author earlier today, actually, and we were talking about um, the hard road to getting published. And Oof. she, what was that one? It was, uh, I was talking to Jessica Lewis about Bad Witch Burning today. And uh, uh, this is her book birthday. Uh, Tuesday. It? Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for her book. I can't wait to read it. Um, really great. And um, so she was talking about like one of her, not this book, but the one before got like 65 rejections or something. Mm. A lot. And uh, you were, you had said something about, you know, 
seven plus years or more, <laughs> or, you know and like you know editor what was it i'm reading editors wanted to see it revised from wide to uh, young adult to middle grade yeah. that process broke me maybe want to quit writing oh this was uh you were saying this on twitter today weren't you yeah 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 and uh and then so you know then you wrote a new middle grade instead the ghost girl that's where ghost girl sort of came from but yes maybe talk to someone out there right now who's in their 100th projection letter or something oh, ridiculous yeah. right? or their fifth or sixth or seventh year of, of trying it and feeling like they're not having any success and and are thinking about hanging it up and you know what was it for you maybe not speak to them but just like what was it for you that kept you going uh honestly i i've i've wanted this and i've worked toward this since I was in seventh grade and flipped over the back cover of my copy of Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Leangle and looked at her bio and realized in a way that I don't think I realized before because her character of Meg really hit me hard Mm. that like a person made this and this like, like, yeah, stories just exist. I never really thought about where they came from. Great. But like that right. someone, yeah. you know, you don't think about that when you're a kid. No, it's true. Yeah. Someone sat down and was like, this is the story I'm going to write. And they wrote a story that hit me so hard in the gut that maybe one day I could be that person. And I wrote, I wrote a couple things, but the story that I spent the most time with the seven plus years story was a YA science fiction book. And I'm not even kidding you when I tell you that the magic system in it revolved around the game of chess. So I was doing a whole thing, but I loved this book yeah. and I love the characters. And I was like, I, I can make something out of this. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, don't throw it out. <laughs> because when you, when you're a multi-million selling, you know, huge author, you get to write whatever, then you get to write whatever you want, right? So you can bring that I mean, back. Yeah. I'm really here for this energy you've got. So yeah, yeah. I'll just do it. <laughs> I always tell that to people, like hold on to them. And I was some of them have like authors I've spoken to too have like they're like, oh no, I've already like picked it apart, like data mined it, taken all the best parts of it, put it in current books, like you know, it's sort of like, ha ha, I'll show you type of thing, right? I didn't really do that, but I have yeah. stolen um, like two of my absolute favorite metaphors. Okay. So they've uh, been, they've been wiped, but that's okay. Perfect. So I spent um, a ridiculous amount of time. When I say seven plus years, I'm, I'm probably rounding down, um, yeah. but I try not to think about it too much. Yep. And my age, and I'll tell you this too, like it actually goes deeper. So the, the agent that I got, Rena Rosner, she actually rejected it. Right. And she sent this really incredible rejection letter about why she was rejecting it. And my husband was like, ask her questions. Like if it's maybe she'll answer. I'm like, she's not going to answer. And he was like, just give it a shot. So I was like, okay. But I followed up with some questions and she and I wound up in a dialogue and it reached a point where she was like, listen, if this sounds good to you and you want to do a revision, send it back to And so I did. I spent like another like eight months working through that revision and I signed with her and we went on submission and we put this book out there to literally, I think, every editor that has ever breathed. (laughs) And it was rejected by the entirety of the publishing industry. Right. And they, a lot of them came back, like you said, um, and they were like, make it middle grade because it could work that way. And I tried to do that and I cried a lot. There was much weeping on the floor. Mm -hmm. And I was basically decided, like, I, I'm not cut out for this. I, I thought I could do it, but I can't. And I don't know what they want. And I don't know how to write something that makes me happy that also will, like, hew to what they want. 
And in an effort to not completely lose it, I was like, I decided to go back to my ultimate love, which is middle grade horror. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I read scary stories to tell in the dark until the covers came off. I, I'm literally wearing the t-shirt right now. Like I'm a hardcore fan. And so that's, I wrote Ghost Girl in six months and I sent it to Rena and she said, that's your debut. And it's really a great story, but I cannot express to you enough how hard it was to keep going. Like you have to, you have to believe in yourself more than anything. You have to believe that you are the only person that can tell the story that's inside you because the fact is you are like to like you are the only person that can tell that story. No one else can do it. And sometimes it's the right story and sometimes it's not the right story. You know, I think of um I think a lot about like Neil Gaiman. Um so he wrote he wrote Graveyard Book and he won all the awards. But he had the idea for Graveyard Book when his son as a about five or six year old was running around a cemetery and he was like, that would be a good book about a kid that lives in a cemetery. And he didn't write it until his son was in his mid forties because he knew that he wasn't ready. And I think it comes down to that too. Like yeah. I learned how to write the way that I, I want to write. I learned how to tell a story the way I want to tell a story, rewriting this book over and over again, but I needed a new story to like fall in love with it. Yeah. Horror is tricky too, right? Because it's been around for so long. Like it's one of the yeah. earliest forms, right? And it's so tro it's so tropey. It's so, mm -hmm. you know, it's really tough. And it's been done, you know, so well, so many times. It's done very oh, yeah. bad. It's been done very poorly many times <laughs> too. But um, it's a really tough genre to sneak into. And I know it also like, and I know it's not like the biggest seller in the world. And it's also like, I mean, it had it has been in the past, but like we're currently in sort of like a white renaissance right now, which is sort of leaning more contemporary stuff. But it's a tricky sell. And, you know, one of the things I want to talk about was middle grade. And the reason, and I think middle grade is a perfect choice for horror and thriller. I love middle grade because it's got no fluff, right? There's no, yeah. all the bullshit's taken out of middle grade. Absolutely. It, it, and it's perfect for scary stories, obviously, because kids have more imagination and they, and they, or maybe they scare more easily. Like for all those reasons, it's perfect for horror. Um, so it was ghost story. There was, I, was this a horror from, or was this middle grade from day one? Ghost, uh, ghost girl? It was. Yeah. yeah it okay. was absolutely middle grade from day one. Z as a character has lived in my head for a long time. And I it's never actually pronounced zero. Right <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to correct you there. Yeah, zero. appreciate that. Appreciate uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn, Nelly, Nelly Bloom, <laughs> Nelly Bloom. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, it like I said, it's a perfect. It's a really great, perfect middle grade uh, genre. Perfect. Well, just, you know, it's funny because there's just like also a lot of pushback on from like the gatekeepers of the mm. community. I include myself amongst them as I am a librarian. Right. But like from parents and educators and librarians, there's a lot of like, oh, they're going to get nightmares. And it's really frustrating um, because I talk about this a lot is that like kids know that the world is scary and horror books give them a template for how to navigate that fear in a safe way. And we need to like, let them do that. Oh, absolutely. You know, as long as that is relayed in the, you know, in the story as well, sure. for sure. Right. Like, and I, which I think this book does very well, actually. And, I, and it's like, you know, we're not going to get into spoilers at all here, but uh, mm -hmm. the ending feels like a beginning to me. Like, I don't, I don't think this is a series. It's not a series, is it? 
It's not. It it's was not sold a as a standalone, and that's okay. how I think of it. But the ending, I'm glad you said that that the ending feels like a beginning because for me, it was about giving these kids a new beginning. It feels like, like um, I'll just say, it, like the Hardy Boys or something. It feels like sure. the start of like this crack squad of you know <laughs> of mon- of monster stoppers. Hey, you know what? Listen, uh, if they want me to write another one, should, yeah, I will do hey, it. No one's saying no here. Yeah, yeah, I'm not for saying sure. no. <laughs> Um, but that's very much how I, how it feels. And again, that's just really great for middle grade, right? I mean, like, just listen, there's no better horror story than school setting the, the, the high, the middle grade and high school setting is, is the scariest shit that I've ever been through. Absolutely. Um, so anyways, um, ghost girl, uh, I'm going to read the summary. It's actually not that long, which is nice. Z Puckett loves ghost stories. She just never expected to be living one. It all starts with a dark and stormy night when the sky's clear, everything is different, people are missing. There's a creepy new principal who seems to know everyone's darkest dreams, and Z is fighting, or sorry, is seeing frightening things large, scary dogs that talk, and maybe even a ghost. When she tells her classmate her only, uh, her only her best friend Elijah believes her worse, mean girl Nellie gives Z a cruel nickname, Ghost Girl. But whatever the storm washed up isn't going away. Everyone's most selfish wishes start coming true in creepy ways. To fight for what's right, Z will have to embrace what makes her different and what makes her ghost girl. All three of them, Z, Elijah, and Nelly, will have to work together if they want to give their ghost story a happy ending. So like I said, this really feels like sort of the beginning of something uh, like, like an, it, it feels like an origin story for like a team of, <laughs> like, like I said, of, of, of monster stoppers. Um, this story has as much to do with the past as it does the present, but you have, but it's storytelling. You have to, it has to move forward. So how much of that were you thinking when you were writing this? You're like, I have to give some backstory here, obviously, right? Especially for Z, it's really important, right? Her backstory is very, uh, very important. And it's the source of a lot of who she is, right? But you have to keep this technically, right? Practically as a story, as just a mechanical writing a book, you have to move the story forward. It has to progress forward. So how were you, how much were you concerned with that of like, not sort of, is this thing, you know, these stories can get backed up in a hurry. If you, if you pile on too much exposition, too much, too much history, too much backstory. Yeah, I agree. And I like that you called it an origin story because I'm a sucker for origin stories. So that probably happened a little bit by accident. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that it was. It was very important to me that there were certain aspects of the story that have nothing to do with the adventure and have nothing to do with the horror that were made very clear. And the only way that I could really include that with the story progressing forward was that bit of backstory. So it was important to me that you understood the dynamics of Z's family Um, because Z doesn't have a conventional family and Z's family, you know, struggles with poverty. And it was important to me that you understood Elijah, especially because Elijah also has a complicated relationship with his family and Nellie has a complicated relationship with her family. So even though they all, you know, initially felt that they were, well, Nellie and Z felt that they were enemies, you know, it was important to me that they realized, like, you don't really know what someone's going through. It was like a big thing that I had kept front and center. And the best way, I guess, to do that without interrupting the trajectory of the tale and getting too boring was to build up, like you said, that, that backstory of like who these kids were. It's really important to have 
like you said, all these three kids all have shit going on that isn't necessarily, you know, seen by everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's not until we, you know, you, it's like you start with the camera with a wide zoom and then you zoom in and then you zoom in and then you zoom in. And next thing you know, we're learning very important things about them in their own homes and how things work and how things don't work. And it's important, but, but you can't rush that because you can't go from stupid face Nelly <laughs> to best friends all of a sudden, right? right? You just right. can't, that's not believable, right? It just isn't. So even for yeah. middle, even for middle grade fantasy horror movies, it's not, it's not believable, right? Like it, it has to feel earned a little bit mm-hmm. because if yeah. it's not, then it's just like, well, what the fuck? So it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and a kid would see through that in a hot minute. Of course they um, would. And I hope that, you know, that I did that justice. Like, I, I know that some of the reviews were like, well, Z makes really bad decisions. And I was like, have you met an 11 year old? Oh, my God. Have you seen a horror movie? <laughs> exactly. it's, it's, it's predicated on people making bad decisions. Actually, if people didn't make any bad decisions, there wouldn't be any books at all. So this is true. Yeah. This is very true. Um, yeah. So I don't know what that person thinks, or they've maybe this is the first book they've ever read. But, um, <laughs> you, it's horror. Listen, if people again, horror the genre can just relies on people making bad decisions, like yeah. going to see what that noise was, or yeah. going, going outside, up the stairs instead not of checking the, the batteries door. in the flashlight before you go to the woods, or. <laughs> right. You go in a list of things, right? And yeah, yeah. And of course, the so they're making all those mistakes. And and also, they are kids. They don't, you know, why should they know better? It's like, compared to what? Compared to the last time their town was invaded by weird shit? Like, right. you know, what are you going to compare it to, right? So, oh, what a silly comment by that person. Um, but but what, in terms of what you were saying with, like, making it authentic. Yeah. It was it was important to me to show that Z discovers that the assumptions that she has held about people are untrue, and it was important to me that she realized that in the ways she thought Nellie was lucky, that she wasn't that lucky, and in the ways that Z didn't see herself as lucky, she was very lucky. Like she had a family who loved her. Big and time. That actually got me a little emotional. At that, yeah. point, at that point when she comes to terms with because she this is not a this is not a spoiler this is a plot no, point she has no. a sister and she's she's has this older sister named abby who isn't, isn't much older than her she's 21 yeah she's yeah, 10 yeah. years older okay and uh and abby's yeah. raising her you know she, she's because... raising her the, the dad is is not around for reasons and the mom's not around for reasons right and so it's up to abby who's a kid herself who's yes. who is this has come up a lot lately in books that I've read about kids, especially with Jessica's book, Bad Witch Burning. Um, the protagonist is 16 years old. And, it, you know, in the rest of the world, this happens more often than it does in North America. But teenagers, kids are being thrust into adulthood six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years before they should even be thinking about this shit. <sighs> and Abby is in that position. She's had to drop out of school. She's had to get a job at you know, shitty job at a, at a diner. Apologies to diner workers. I know you work hard and you really do, but you know, but they deserve a better wage, but they deserve so. a better wage <laughs> and they deserve better working conditions, better yeah. hours, you, debt, healthcare, everything. Yeah. Abby, Abby works doubles and, and doesn't get any sleep. And she's, she's supposed to be like in college or out with her friends yeah. or I don't know, doing anything else, but having to take care of her sister yeah, and you Who know, it can be very difficult, which can, <laughs> I, 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 I can't even imagine. And Zira, Z is very precocious, obviously. So yeah, like she's, she's a handful. She's a handful. She is. 
a really, really beautiful, nice moment was, uh, this isn't a spoiler, but you know, we find out, we find out later that Abby's been like bragging about Z at work to everyone who will listen. Uh, she's so proud of her, how great, how smart she's like, that was really nice. That was like a nice moment. Um, so yeah, it's all about like these kids being forced into adult situations. And at one point literally are the only, you know, quote unquote adults left in town at one point, because, you know, we don't want to get too detailed there, but, um, yeah, like, so they have to like take control of the situation and, uh, it's a really, really cool. I thought it was an easy transition into that. I didn't feel like it was rushed. I didn't feel like, like I said, that's the beauty of middle grade too, is that you can just like go from here to there. You don't have to sit around and explain it or talk about it or decide how you're going to get there. You're like, Oh, we're going to get there on a bus. Okay, let's go. And all of a sudden you've got, right. bus, you got bus tickets and away you go. You don't, <laughs> you, know, you don't have to worry about it. So, right. um, and, and one of the great, you know, so there's, there's uh this takes place in a little shit town. And, but as the librarian couldn't help, <laughs> but not one but two libraries actually yeah. uh, the local one's a tiny little one but then you know they get to go to the, the, the capital the big city and then they get to go to a huge beautiful library which sounds wonderful and that's really sort of how things kick off uh just sort of you as as a librarian you know have you ever do you have lower levels at your library that are kind of scary and weird or do you have a I morgue do. do you have a morgue is that i do that's the first time i've actually heard of that Okay, so um, yeah. a morgue is not a library term. Um, I work in an archive. Okay. And a morgue is not even an archive term, but okay. it's a newspaper term. So the archive that I work in, they were gifted the entirety of what was at the time called the Brooklyn Daily Eagle, which was the biggest newspaper in Brooklyn for okay. a very long time. And morgue is the place where they store the clippings. So like back in the day, People used to take and cut out every article that was printed in each newspaper and they would put them in little envelopes with subject headings and file them in drawers. And so we have those from like, like 1800s up until when the paper was defunct. So that is, that's called the morgue. So we do have a morgue, but we do also have the library that I work in has more floors underground than above ground. Okay. Um, and those are called decks and they do have those little dials on the, and they're very creepy. Yes. They're super creepy. <laughs> like I cannot stress enough how creepy it is down there. And they have the dials and you turn the dial on the, the so the light comes on just in the one aisle of books that you're in. The rest is all in dark because yeah. that's how they save money on electricity, which is smart, but also right. terrifying. Right. Right. And the timer goes off and it's like, tick, 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 you're looking for whatever you would eat to retrieve from there. And sometimes if you don't find in time, it dings and then the light goes out and then you've got to find your way back to the end of the aisle in like relative darkness. Yeah. That's, and, um, that seems scary in the book. Yeah. That seems <laughs> scary. And uh, something happens too when they, so the, the, it's very early in the book and her class goes to a, a school trip to this big, huge library and they get shown, uh, you know, sort of the guts, the nuts and bolts of the library that people aren't allowed to go see very often. And they get taken down to this morgue, as you just explained. And it's exactly like you described with these little dials for lights that tick, 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 tick away are on timers. And it's creepy and dark and cold. And Z experiences something there for the first time. And I thought for sure that was going to come back around. <laughs> That's kind of maybe a bit of a, not a spoiler, but uh, I thought for sure that was coming back. But you do go back to that library later on for like yeah. the big, the big help person. And uh, that's a really, really nice moment. And I also like that you don't just like give them, give the kids this, you give them this gift in this person for sure. But 
there's an int- this person has a, there's an interesting backstory there with Nellie and this person mm-hmm. and the and the family dynamics within the Bloom family, mm-hmm. but also like so you here's this wonderful gift this like this hero, and it's like oh not so fast you know you don't they only go so far yeah and then it's it just becomes a more of like we'll equip you with the tools you need but you're on your own. And that comes right. right. And that comes back around later with some of the stuff in a really important way. And actually maybe the most important way. Um, but I like how you did that because it, it's like, you know, some people would be tempted to like, go th- see that through, but you're like, Nope, no, we're not going to let them off the hook that it's not gonna be that easy. Yeah. <laughs> right? But so. I did, I did really want to, I really wanted a relationship where the kids felt comfortable asking for adult help. Right. Like when Z they were is out scared of, of what's happening to her. Point, yeah. Right. And yeah. when Z is scared of what's happening to her, and Elijah's like, well, you need to tell Abby. She's like, okay, I'll tell Abby. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. and there, and then when Nellie's like, well, my aunt can help. They're like, okay, let's go get that help. And that was important to me too, because I wanted, I wanted them to have resources. I wanted them to have people to go to, but at the end, it needs to come down to the three of them saving each other. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't have adults to swoop in. Right. Of course. They, that, and that's, again, that is so right. much of what middle grade, right. <laughs> yeah. Middle grade is about like, like giving them the tools and then having them succeed on their own. Right. So we can't just do everything. Exactly. We can't do it all for them. That's dumb. Um, <laughs> so anyways, I thought that was really handled really well. Um, so this book is not without, you know, important topics, important issues. Um, everyone's families are fucking weird and different and, <laughs> and some are good and some aren't good. Um, so I know one of the things that has come up is with Elijah and his relationship with his father. Um, it's, it's less, less on page, but, you know, we learn that Nellie and her family has, there's some weird expectations, mm-hmm. pressures going on as well for these kids. How, so talk about sort of like, cause I mean, you don't want to make this about, this can't be a child abuse story. No. Right. You don't, not. you can't go to that, to that extreme. You also have to make your point. Right. So with, I mean, with Z's situation, it's about her discovering that even though her family struggles with poverty and, you know, they they get the sad looks in town because it's just the two of them, that she is incredibly blessed and very lucky to have people who love her. Mm -hmm. Um, And with Elijah, Elijah's character, it was really important to me that Elijah, even though his father wants him to change, he wants to keep his father happy because he loves his father, but he doesn't understand why his father doesn't love him for who he is because Elijah loves Elijah for who he is. And that was really important to me too, is that like Elijah knows he's a good, smart person and it doesn't bother him that he is, doesn't fit the stereotype that his father's looking for, but it bothers him that it bothers his father. And with Nellie, I mean, it is off page, um, but with Nellie, I would say it's a degree of ne- not neglect in the sense that she's not being fed and cared for, but neglect in the sense that she's not, her, her family doesn't find her terribly interesting and they tend to be pretty frustrated and disappointed with her, even though she excels in so many areas. So it's just kind of a, I feel like Nellie, doesn't feel seen 
Well, there's, there's, there's providing for your child and there's nurturing your child. Then there's, then, there's pro- then, then there's providing, you know, emotion, like love, emotional love to your child. Right. And they, they are not great at that. And it's, yes. it, it almost seems like the only time they pay attention to her is when she screws up. When she screws up. Exactly. In their eyes, according to their standards, mm-hmm. not even according, yeah. according to no one else's standards. Cause yep. everybody else's standards, Nellie's perfect. Right. They, she left the back door open. She tracked mud into the, the house. You know, these right. things are That's gra- right. like grave mistakes Right. where she's just a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And if you didn't track mud in the house, I'd be like, what's your problem? Go track some mud in the house. <laughs> so, um, you do something too with Elijah's mom, which again, I don't, I don't really, I, we can't talk about it. Spoilery, but okay. Um, I think it's a spoiler and uh, it is a spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And you know, I thought you handled it really well and there's a lot, there's like some, there's subtext there for sure. And then you kind of get to the point later on, but um, when you were sort of coming up with that idea, was that meant to, uh, we'll say disability for now. Okay. Um, Was that, were you, were you trying to make a point with that? Were you trying to, to say something about that or was that just, or did that just practically fit? It, you know, or did that just fit in a practical way for what you were for that part of the story you were trying to tell? I think it was a little bit of both, and yeah. I think we'll. It's do, hard to talk we'll, about without saying it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'll just say that um, what was important to me was to show that what Elijah's mother was going through on the exterior looked scary, but more importantly, was manipulated. Mm-hmm. Right. In the way that I think people who suffer in that way are often manipulated and maligned yeah. and yep or misunderstood even misunderstood or shown to be like well you could just try harder kind of right. a ideology right. and i really i wanted it to i wanted to i was very nervous about doing this to be honest with you mm-hmm. um because it's just something i is important to me and i didn't want to mess it up yep but i wanted to show that when you get to the end that there is just a fully human under there and everyone struggles and it's okay to struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you did that. I think. And I, I thank you. Yeah. I yeah. Hope I, yeah so. <laughs> I, I think, I think you did for sure. Um, I just, you know, I just wanted to know if, if where sort of the idea, did it just fit the narrative or did it, or were you trying to, you know, say something about that certain, that it, certain it was thing? both like if it, it fit the yeah. narrative and also it's, it's something that's important to me mm-hmm. um, for it, it has deep impacts on my friends and I, I just wanted to do it right. Yeah. I think you did. Thank you. Um, so we'll cut just a couple minutes here. Let's uh, let's talk about this, this fascination with uh, Mary Shelley. because uh yeah because z in the book her favorite thing in the world to do is is tell stories tell ghost stories in particular um she loves telling stories she loves entertaining you know her classmates with with spooky tales and and you know sort of like not necessarily has it figured out yet but maybe hopes one day that she'd like to be a writer as well and she's inspired by um mary shelley frankenstein's her favorite book she's read it you know, dozens of times the, the covers worn, remember it's held, it's held by duct tape, the spine and <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's falling, it's falling apart, but she loves it. And she reads it over and over and over. And she's inspired by Mary, the life of Mary Shelley. Um, and they have a connection actually, which I won't talk about, but spoilers. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but that's you know, that, that exists, but it's also a part for just, she just loves Mary Shelley as, as, as a storyteller. So um, it just seemed very on the nose. I have to assume you're a fan of Mary Shelley as well. I am a very big fan of Mary Shelley. Yes. Okay. 
I um I hesitated to do that because I was like, okay, well, you were reading Mary Shelley when you were 11 years old. But I was like, well, who cares? It's my book. So he's going <laughs> to read Mary Shelley at 11 years old because I, I'm going to do it. Um, but I've, I've always loved that story. Um, I, I love multiple interpretations of that story. Um, and it was important to me, and I won't get into spoilers, but because of how some of the things go at the end, that story fit perfectly. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. Or the way Z saw herself and then the way she sees herself after some things go down. Um, so it was also just like a very good plot device. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. Who doesn't love Frankenstein? Come on. It, it's such it a great is, book. It's, uh, it's, I mean, it's up there. It's, it's, a, it's been around. It's a classic for a reason, right? So, yeah. yeah. And just, and I, just, I, it's, so, it's so thematic. I mean, there's so yes. many universes. It's just incredible. Yeah, it's so rich. Yeah. I got to see at the Morgan Library in Manhattan, I got to see her handwritten manuscripts of it. Oh, cool. It was very cool. <laughs> That's very cool. Right on. Yeah, I always get a kick out of that stuff too. And uh, yeah. I'm, I love that there's, you know, people's jobs is, is to preserve things like that, right? Like I love the yeah. idea. I, I love the idea of like the Film Preservation Society. You know, they keep all the reels. Oh, yeah, they, yeah. Every year they vote more in. I love that. Uh, don't always agree with the picks, but uh, <laughs> so, you know, what are you gonna do? I love that. Uh, let's just hope they remember to keep projectors. <laughs> but uh, but it's somebody's job to preserve those reels, that tape, and they soak it in weird chemicals. They're they're like fucking alchemists. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Ghost Girls out now. Uh, I uh, you know the people have asked me this before, but like if I'm talking to you, it's because I like the book. At least liked it if not more. Okay. So you're I'll only on, it. yep. You're on the show because I, cause I liked your book and uh, I wanted to talk to you because I read, you know, 250 some odd books a year. Wow. And I only talk about 50 of them. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, oh my. Yeah. I'm, I'm beyond flattered. Then. Yeah. So I think this is a, uh, I think this is a really, really damn great middle grade book. And like I said, it just fits so well with the genre and, and these, you know, characters are great. I love the messaging in it. I love, um, it's not doesn't hit it's not oh, it doesn't hit you over the head with it but you know we there's enough there where you can look at these three kids and hopefully identify with at least one of them or two of them or all of them in some way um, it's really well done and I really appreciate a lot of the messaging in it for sure big time and uh, yeah even like it's there's a couple of little spoops and startles and stuff going on <laughs> the, which is hard to do nowadays right because there's so many friggin books a year and you know, how many horrors and thrillers and, and stuff like this and ghost ones. And it's tough yeah. to do nowadays, man. Yeah. It's, it's so hard to be. So it's, you do the best that you can. I think you have to look for your originality in your characters. And I think you did. Yeah. Really good, yeah. I think you did a great job with these. Thank things. you. Yeah. It, it definitely had some more spooks in it. And my editor was like, Allie, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. And I was like, but why? Tone the What's gore the down. Deal? Too much gore. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. was like, absolutely not. You this, isn't saw, have... this isn't Saw 8. Yeah, we <laughs> to, yeah, yeah. yeah, she was just like, you cannot have the ghost be in her bedroom. Bedrooms are safe spaces. And I was right. like, but what if right. and it crawls up her bed? She was like, absolutely not. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting point, right? How it is supposed to be her safe space. But uh, yeah, you know, door open hallway is fine. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she agreed. I was like, okay. All right. Close all right. Enough. Yeah, well, perfect. You. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show, Allie. Uh, uh, just, I think you, you know, your, your own story is great and inspiring to people out there, I hope. And uh, 
Good luck uh, finishing up. Did you say so? This appearing house is done, or you're working on it? So this appearing house is done. I just okay. turned in copy edits, so okay. that is for sure coming out next August. Okay. I should have. I think we're gonna have cover art probably around Halloween, so oh, well, that'll be exciting. That is yeah. a good time to release scary cover art. Yeah, so. I thought so. Right on. Okay, well, we'll look forward to that, and then okay. uh, of course, obviously, we'll get you back on. There you have it, another episode of Everything is Canon all wrapped up. Huge thanks to Allie for taking the time to chat with me. I had a great time, and I can't wait to have her back on. Ghost Girl is out now, so please pick up a copy wherever you buy your books. And for more information, head on over to AllieMalinenko.com. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you choose to listen, and head on over to CineLinks.com for the latest movie, TV, books, and gaming news. Please continue to be safe out there. Bye for now. <laughs>